Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jens Schiphol. And that is Steve Jones. And Jens, today on the program we have uh, an artist named Dale Bazio. Okay. Now, well, welcome, Dale, to the show. Yes. Um, I mean, we'll wait a minute before welcoming her in, you know, but uh, okay, sorry, she's, Dale. she's just getting comfortable, you know, she's getting ready. She's All in, right. the, in the waiting room. Dale didn't want to rush you. Yeah, she's in the waiting room. We'll bring her in in a few minutes. You All know, right. Let's, let's ease on in. Sit, sit tight, Dale. You know, sit tight. Dale, we're, you're good. You've got time, right? And speaking of time... Uh, this interview clocks in at about an hour and 45, so we're, Woo! yeah, I had a good long chat with Dale, and uh, so we're going to break it into two episodes, uh, which I don't think we've ever done before. Does this mean uh, you're going to split up the uh, the interview somewhere? I'm going to split it uh, somewhere right around the middle and uh, leave you hanging midway of the conversation. You're, you're going to have to try to find a good cliffhanger there. I know. Yeah. I'll find a good cliffhanger, and... Uh, and then I'm picking it back up next week for the uh, second part of this two-part installment of Dale. Um, and so Dale is the lead singer of a band called Missing Persons, which um, they were the number one uh, song in, on K-Rock in 1980. Uh, uh, and uh, she also recorded with uh, Frank Zappa. Mm. Um, she was a really big fan of Frank Zappa. And so we, th- in this first part, we're going to um, talk... Um, a lot about Frank and her experience uh, around that, um, and in the second part, we'll we'll get in a little bit deeper with missing persons uh, and um, and her relationship with Prince um, and uh, and some other topics. So that's kind of a little bit of what's to come in. Uh, um, in the Dale saga, but um, she also has an autobiography out. Let me mention um, called "Life Is So Strange," and um, and so that's kind of interweaved throughout the uh, the interview. Um, and a lot of the stories that she shares are um, are broken down in that in more detail. So definitely recommend checking out her autobiography. And truthfully, like I, I mean, I tell her at the beginning, but uh, I couldn't put it down. Like it was, there were so many great stories in in her wow. autobiography that. Uh, I mean, I I read it in just like two or three days, um, pretty quickly. So that's impressive. Every, every chance I could. So um, really dig it. Recommend checking it out. Um, yeah, and it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked, and um, and since you've been on the program, we've had a couple without Yens. Uh, I was the missing person. You were the. I, I like what you did there. Nice that, segue. That is a great segue. You are learning, you know, really well. Yeah, uh, it's taken me a couple of years, but I'm starting to get the f- podcast. Yeah, feel of it. <laughs> Under your uh, tenure, you know, you're doing great. Right. So, uh, speaking of missing persons, you were uh, you were in uh, Hawaii. I was. Yeah. Uh, we got these. Uh, we got these uh, crazy. This crazy deal. Like uh, you know, so how some airlines have these flash sales or whatever. Southwest had this thing where, hey, you know, buy these tickets for ninety nine dollars and you can go to Hawaii. And um, you know, my wife was like, yes, and she just bought them and um, invited. Uh, some friends of ours to kind of do a group vacation. Um, I missed that invite. I must have, it must have been my spam. So. Yeah, it's probably check your spam. Yes. And then I'll um, I'll just have to catch you up. So okay. So uh, we got a ninety-nine dollar uh, ticket from Oakland mm-hmm. to Kauai, and um, and uh, I didn't know Southwest flew to Hawaii, but oh, they okay. do. Yeah. And they use the same exact planes. It's not like, you know, bigger planes with meals and sure. menus you can order from or anything. Most you know, don't give meals anymore unless it's uh, like international. Right? Yeah, I would think like going to Hawaii is, you know, obviously it's not international, but you would think that it should be pretty damn close 
because you're flying over a massive body of water. Sure. And so it's kind of like water, leaving the continent. You know, you want to eat. So. In the country. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You get hungry. Yeah. I downloaded a whole bunch of shows uh-huh. and I just binge watched stuff. Okay. Uh, and I've got to say that flight went by really quickly. And it was the plane, the planes were mostly empty. Wow. On every leg. I mean, I would say 50%. Yeah, I don't know Absentee that the January is the most popular time, right? Yeah, people are probably, you know, back from Christmas holidays and all that stuff, so they're not out. But anyway, um, so I've got a little story about the trip to, to, to two stories. Okay. Uh, one is that um, my uh, wife reserved this cabin uh, for all of us. So there were three couples. One of the couples has two kids. Okay. Eight, I guess. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, so there are eight of us in one house uh, that's two stories. And um, these little cabins are all kind of right next to each other. It's a development. And um, and uh, we were so excited to get there. You know, after these long flights, we all kind of met up and... Um, and uh, I'm like the only white guy, right? The rest uh-huh. of these yeah. folks are all from the Philippines. Um, and like in traditional, in tradition, traditional f- Philippine fashion, they all grew up with karaoke. So what is the first thing that we do once we get in? Karaoke. Karaoke, right. You start cooking, you know, get the food ready and belch out some karaoke. Uh, so we did that for like three nights. Wow. What songs did Jen sing? Um... You expect you to remember this? Uh, throw one out. You got to remember one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Hell's bells. There we go. Okay. So I did ACDC. Got it. Yeah. Um, I did hell's bells. <laughs> so, so uh, we did three days of this. Okay. Um, on the third day, uh-huh. at ten o'clock p.m. We found out that we had a neighbor who didn't appreciate our musical talent. Oh, okay. Behind like, the karaoke machine. I could take two days, but third, no. Third day. Not interested. That was uh, bad news. Yeah, we thought uh, the cops had come or somebody had called the cops on us. There was a bang, 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 and this crazy loud banging, right? Uh-huh. And we were all drunk off our asses. Yeah. And. So we're all really slow to react. Like, what's going on? Did man? Did your wife make Long Islands? By the way, I kind of yes. taught your, I your you wife. You know how to exactly. Make it. <laughs> yeah. So she's learning to become the kick-ass bartender, uh-huh. and uh, is really proud of her amazing Long Long Island iced teas, and is making sure people have multiple good <laughs> glasses of them. And um, so she's the one that actually makes it to the front door first, uh-huh. and uh, opens the door, and there's this guy I've never seen. In person, a face as livid as this Ooh. neighbor, you know, and he he had said something, you know, along the lines of, you know, quiet, quiet time is ten o'clock, quiet as ten o'clock, mm-hmm. shut the fuck up, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and I was uh, I was also I was the only other person standing up, and I had a view of the door, the front door, so I looked. I looked at him and I was like, oh man, we're sincerely really sorry. One, we didn't realize it was 11.30. And two, (laughs) um, we didn't realize we were so loud. We really apologize for that. He's like, realize, realize you didn't realize jack shit. 
my god! You know, so I mean, he was yeah. pissed, and he stormed off. And um, so then, uh, you know, closed the door, and we were all kind of processing, like, whoa, what just happened? And we just had to take a big step back and come to the realization of, wow, we really were loud, and we really were inconsiderate, and we didn't mean to do that, and it is really late. Do you remember how late you went the first two nights? It wasn't quite that long because okay. uh, okay. we were, I think, more tired. But, um, but, uh, and one of those nights might not have been karaoke. It wasn't. Well, the first night wasn't actually karaoke. It was all of us on the balcony outside just talking. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, the normal talking voice in this group is pretty loud. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, you know, us talking, blah, 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 about whatever. And, um, uh, that's, I think, you know, that was the first irritation. So anyway, uh, Next morning, my wife and I go over there and knock on the neighbor's door and just, you know, again, just try to, you know, sincerely apologize to him. He answers with a shotgun. Yeah. That's what I was expecting. Something (laughs) along the lines of, I, you know, don't want to see your fucking faces ever again. Goddamn tourists. Yeah. Hate fucking Airbnbs. This is a retirement community or whatever. Right. And, um. So the guy opens the door, and he's the nicest person on the planet, dude. Oh, okay. He was so nice. He was so sweet. He's like, I just want to apologize for, you know, acting out and being so angry. That was not, you know, that was not okay. And I didn't even know what to say. You know, yeah, I wasn't how do you, expecting you're, that. You weren't ready for it. Yeah. I know. And I said, oh, you know what? It, it was well-deserved. You know, we, again, you know, didn't realize how loud we were. We didn't realize... <laughs> You know how late it was, and and you know we were extremely disrespectful. Um, you know, you you live here. We're just renting this place for a couple of days, and um, we had a nice like little group hug chat. Oh, it was all you know, like oh, a happy ending type thing. Yeah, and um, and yeah, I still feel bad about it, but. Uh, you know, uh, water but under I, the bridge, apparently. Water under the bridge, and it's nice, you know, when one becomes, you know, aware of their faults and has an opportunity to, to correct them. Yes, yes, very good. Yeah. Yeah, good on you guys to good go, on you guys. go and apologize, yeah. too. Yeah, so I did not end up being a missing person, because I really did think he would, yeah. like, <laughs> haul my ass out in the middle of the night and... Might not have made it back. ...and do a Dexter on me, you know, chop me up and throw me in the ocean. Yeah. But, um... On the way back, real quick, to tie up the story and yeah. close it up, uh, went back to the airport to fly back, and um, our plane was like two hours late for some reason. They had to give us a different plane, I think is what happened. Um, all went well. We just had to wait a little bit longer. And like a couple days after we got home, we got an email from Southwest saying, hey, we're really sorry that your plane was delayed. We're going to refund you the tickets. Wow. So we got 50% off a flight that? to Hawaii. Look at that. Isn't that cool? That's pretty cool. That's like never happened. Not to me. even credit, just uh, actually. You actually a refund. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a yeah. That's pretty I was big. Like, so. I'm assuming it's a refund. Maybe it's a credit. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure. Wrong on that. Yeah, I mean, you travel enough that you you use it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Hawaii was fun. It was relaxing. But you know what? Um, as we were talking, you know, a bit before the podcast started, I was bitching and moaning about. You know, having to mask and wear glasses at the same time and yeah. how irritating that's been for me ever since the whole COVID thing started. I know, you are the anti-masker in the group. Yeah, so. Right. <laughs> so here I am trying to be, you know, the model citizen by masking everywhere. Um, 
you know, because it's a good thing to do. And if I don't, my wife yells at me. So, um, yeah. <laughs> the main reason, <laughs> right. The main reason. So, uh, I gotta say, dude, it was, it was irritating. It was so irritating having to mask and not see. And I was like the primary driver and, and my glasses were always fogged up and, I'm just so sick and tired of this COVID thing. Like oh, a lot yeah. of other people are, you know, it's, there've been a few vacations. Um, and I'm not great. I'm not saying I'm not grateful, you know, for having the time and opportunity to go on vacations here and then here and there. But there are a few where I feel like, you know what? I wish I had not gone on vacation. I wish I had just taken the time off and done something that would have been a lot more enjoyable to my face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a possibility for your next one if you want to. I you know, think so. so you can always do a staycation sort of thing. Right. You know. Yeah. Well I'll do this motorcycle ride. We'll talk about that in yes. the future. Yes. Well, two gonna, months of or two weeks of not having to You got a big trip planned in a couple of months. And yeah. uh, I, I have a <laughs> I have a, what for me is a big trip planned. it's a taking a at least a week off of work. Uh, that's huge for you. I know. And You're I a workaholic. I don't. I don't take a week off, but I'm definitely taking at least a week off. And uh, uh, I have a couple of Airbnbs planned. This is for spring break with the kids, and we're gonna take the dog and take a road trip. Uh, hadn't originally planned it with the dog, and had I had booked a place in San Diego, in La Jolla, mm-hmm. um, well, but I booked it for the wrong week, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't available for. Uh-huh. <laughs> so luckily, I checked that uh-huh. uh, because when I was looking to make adjustments to the yeah. itinerary and everything because I'm like, you know what? I don't need to stay in the same place for the whole time necessarily and uh, I want to visit a you know, friend down south too uh, in, in LA mm-hmm. and my daughter's really excited about visiting LA so I'm like, okay, well, let's do two nights in LA and then mm-hmm. four in uh, in San Diego, right? We'll work our way down a little bit and, All right. and get some dog-friendly places so mm-hmm. we we'll take the dog too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope he sits down on the drive because he does yeah. his hands a lot. Oh my and, God, that uh, must be exhausting for the dog constantly standing in a moving car yeah i know so um so uh so yeah i mean it's going to be be fun but that's an that's in april a couple months away and uh, mm-hmm. but i might go down to la in a couple of weeks though too. that's gonna be so, exciting so yeah get out and hit the road a little bit you know i got one thing to say hit it the traffic sucks mm, yeah yeah that's don't get frustrated i know I thought about taking a plane and doing the Southwest thing because it's pretty. Even if you take a plane, one. but I'm just getting around. I'm like, you know, if, yeah, I can take a plane and my, maybe it's cheap, but I, I just feel better having my own car mm-hmm. and and getting there. Yeah, no, I think it's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's just that you know, get get your arsenal of podcasts or audiobooks yeah, or whatever oh, ready, and don't get frustrated. I've been saving some up. It takes you two hours to go f- a mile. Just keep yourself entertained. Yeah, I got I got no shortage of podcasts to listen to, so, <laughs> so uh, I will definitely be fine. But six hours will fly by, and when yeah. I listen to the podcast, I mean, yeah, yeah, it won't, but it will. And, right, and it's easier than getting to the airport, leaving your car there for however long, and mm. uh, you know, and then flying, you know, waiting mm-hmm. for the flight. You know, it's going to take the same amount of time, so I might as well right. have my car available to me. Yeah, and, uh, and it's not that far. I mean, it's like six hours or something on the five. Exactly, tank of gas maybe, right? So right, it's it's doable. Um, so that, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. So um, why don't we get into uh, the interview with Dale Bozio? Uh, let's now, do it. Now, is she s- in the waiting room? Ready? She's in the waiting room. Now, um, Dale, 
she you know some of these stories are pretty old she's lost some um, pretty beloved people in her, her life and uh, there's a lot of reminiscing that, that she, I'm sure she's gonna do so she might might get a little teary but you know there's it's just a lot of emotions you're, and you're doing a disclaimer I'm doing it a little uh, I don't think you've disclaimer. done a disclaimer before <laughs> it's uh no it's it's okay but she has a lot of great stories and uh, I look forward to sharing them with you so basically the following presentation may contain emotionally uh, emotional content uh, emotionally vulnerable people might shed some tears yes yes exactly so have some tissues nearby if you want to take take this ride with us and uh, uh, and listen to some of these stories uh, but there are no flashes for people that no, are no no you know, prone to yeah, seizures right okay. yeah exactly good. no right. no we're good okay. we're good on that front we're good good coverage so sweet um, all right good. yeah come on okay. in Dale all right, Dale. Dale, how are you doing today? Good. I'm good. Uh, you know, I've been, uh, I got a little, I got that COVID, and uh, I'm getting through it. <clears throat> it hasn't been fun. It's been a trip and a half. Mm. But, um, but, you know, uh, I guess it's something that it's happening to all of us. So, you know, what can we do now at this point? You know, just got to go through it and try to do the best you can. You gotta take this in stride. It's been uh, been pretty heavy for me, um, but you know, just gotta get through it. That's all you can do. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I my my son had it, and uh, his stepdad had it, and my I'm sure my uh, ex wife had it, and so my my daughter didn't have it. But you know, it's it's such a mess with schools and everything because um, if they have any small symptom, they have to be out. Like my daughter had a headache last week and went home early, and then she had to be out for five days, which led into time that my son had it it's going around like you said everybody is getting it and you you just got to brace yourself and hope it doesn't hit too hard but um it sounds like you're coming around you're doing doing okay now yeah <clears throat> yeah I'm, I'm coming back yeah i'm coming back it was a, a trip I'm, <clears throat> I'm supposed to play a show this weekend i don't even know if i can do it to tell you the truth um it's uh <clears throat> it hasn't been easy and um, I really got to hand it to to this society to put up with this. And I'm really proud of the people. Um, I'm, I'm proud that, that we didn't cave in because this was a really uh, test, a test to humanity and a test to your, <clears throat> your friendships. And, um, you know, it really shows that <clears throat> we can rise above. If we stick together, can't do this alone. People need people. I've decided that that Barbara Streisand song is the only way to go. That's the truth. You know, um, you have to share your life with people and friends and the ones you care or you think you love until they don't love you. But um, I think that it's the, the, the greatest time of care and giving now and sharing and um, that doesn't mean that, that this is a, a foreign country. It means that we have uh, rationale to care and give. And if you don't give to your fellow human beings, they're not going to give to you. And uh, I'm not saying doggy dog world, but, you know, it's pretty selfish out there. And um, you really got to pick, 
pick and choose the people that you 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 share your time and energy with and and what you give back to the life to to the world in general you know the people you share your time with that's your blueprint that that's what you're making that's what you're making of your life your children your family everything you do everyone you touch you could change the planet and people just with money that's not the answer it's people that care (laughs) it's people that have love and affection it has nothing to do with money Money's all great and all, and it's all good and buys you hot bar Sundays, but it's not going to buy you peace of mind. It's not going to buy you the things you really, really need. Those things are in the other. Those things you pick right out of the world and you put them in your pocket and you say, this is the kind of person I'm going to be. This is who I'm going to be every single day. This is what I'm going to march for. This is what I'm going to believe in. If it's freedom, you're lucky. <laughs> if it's something else and greed leads to I want, I want, I want, you'll be in trouble. You'll never be happy. <laughs> you'll never be happy. That's the that's the grain of life. <clears throat> it has nothing to do with uh, God or your gods or any of those things or karma. It's, that's a bunch of bullshit. Life is what you make it. That is how it goes. You make your family. You make your friends. You make your single life. You make yourself into a rock star. That's what I did. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you've you know you've made a lot of people happy over your time, and I mean, but um, I mean, you really you've accomplished a lot, right? I mean, let's. I mean, we can. Yeah. Yeah, and I read your your book. I mean, you. I couldn't put. Thank it, you. Oh, thank you for reading my book. Thank oh, I, you. I couldn't put it down, Dale. I mean, it was like uh, <laughs> you have so many great stories, and I, I just you know it was I, I just couldn't put it down, and I kept going through it, and it was just like wow, this is incredible, and um, you know I can talk to you for hours, right? <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that you read the book. Oh. Um, yeah. It, it was a very mesmerizing time for me because it was through the COVID that I had to work with my friend Keith. So it was kind of strange. And we started out together working on it and we were together for like over a year. And then the COVID started and we had to separate. So <clears throat> we had to finish the book kind of on thin ice. There wasn't, I, I wanted to get more photos in there and more people to agree to let me get the photos but it's so hard these days it's not like you can just put your memoirs together with all the pictures you think are great you have to be okayed by people and you can't say things that people are going to sue you about and all this bullshit yeah but you know what i said it straight out i talked the way i talk i didn't change my verbal swearing or anything for anybody if i felt like saying what I felt, I, I did. I did. I said what I felt about the men that I've been with and <clears throat> my relationships because I am um, I am uh, straight. I, I'm not gay. And I love gay people. I love the world. But <laughs> for me, um, I'm pretty practical, really. I look like I'm out of my mind <laughs> I'm, I'm really practical I am very concerned I'm caring I'm considerate I'm all the things that, that I appreciate but they make you a weak person they, they take 
they take from you when you care so much and you give so much and you and you want to make everything all better you you grow weak because it takes a lot of strength to fix all the problems in the world if i had a wand i'd walk down the street and wand up everybody and fix them all and give them sparkles and twinkles and hot fudge sundays i would make it all right i would do that i would make it all so nice and fluffy and happy it hurts my feelings. I cry every day for all the world. I know you think this would be hard to believe, but it's true. I break sometimes so hard. My tears swallow me because I'm afraid for the world. I'm afraid for the society and the people and the decisions they're going to make. And when catastrophic, catastrophic things appear in anyone's life they jolt you to think differently and that's the time you have to say to yourself how do i feel how do i feel about this not how do you feel fuck you and how you feel how do i feel that's the bottom line for everyone for all the mothers and the fathers and the sisters and the brothers and all my grandmothers how do you feel that's it. It's nothing to do with anyone else. And don't tell me you can read my mind because you can't. And all the things that people think that they can do and fix this and fix that because they're going to develop a, an electric car. <laughs> oh, boy. And an electric hot dog. I don't know what you want to develop. Yeah. Let me tell you. But when it comes down to living day to day, people aren't looking for an electric car. They're not looking for super balls and super putty. They're looking... A nice, calm love, care, and safety. That's all. That's all. They'll tell you they want a Lamborghini because it sounds good. <laughs> but really, who wants to deal with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, do I want to buy that insurance? Do no, I'm not interested. Who's going to scratch my car? Do I care? No. Nope. I'm nope. one of those. No. I've always not, money has never made my decision in my life, ever, ever. (laughs) I got here because I wanted to. I wanted to do these things that I've done, and I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm the person that's going to stand there and tell you everything will be all right. That's what I do. I tell everyone that. Everything will be all right. You've got to make it that way. Yeah, and you've made you've made a lot of your de- destiny too. I mean, you've I, I love that you uh, you know the tie-in between uh, you going up emergency exits. That's kind of yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like, like, that's the funny part of me. <laughs> oh yeah, you don't you don't let you know front you don't walk in the front door, Dale. You know you <laughs> you go straight no, to, straight to the door. You know what? I don't like the front door. <laughs> no, no. That's the funny thing. You know, I grew growing up with my father and growing up with a man <clears throat> telling me what to do my whole life. I <clears throat> I really respect men. <clears throat> I love them so much. And I care for them so much because my father was so bad and bold and violent and mean. (laughs) And he was a puppy to me. (laughs) He was my puppy. And he made everything all right for me. 
So I don't I don't see any bad in the world. I see all that those bad guys taking care of us. It's not stealing, killing, maim. They're watching out for us, really. And you don't really understand what goes on in the street when you stay in the house every day. It's not it's not common out there. It's not normal. Not in any state, not in any place. Even if the wind is, is blowing and the sun is shining, that doesn't mean everything is all right. The thing is, you got to make it that way. Yeah. You have to. You have to do everything within your power, every single minute of the day, to cure your family, cook the food, clean the house, go to work, fix the kids, make sure everybody's all right. That's the, that's the ticket. It's yeah. got nothing else with buying a bonnet and... I don't know. I, I, I don't understand how these people with these fleeting moments, it's only for a fleeting moment. How long can you be happy over a Hartford Sunday? It's going to melt. It, time is fleeting. Everything you do makes a blueprint so solidly, so incredibly profound. Even all our people in the streets that have nowhere to go, look how profound they are. Look at all the attention they get. They get more attention than me. Yeah. And I'm a rock star. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's start with Frank, right? Like, tell me a little bit about uh, Frank Zappa. Of course, your uh, infamous meeting of him, you know, going up the emergency exit uh, and uh, and hopping right into his dressing room. I mean, like, tell me about how that relationship formed for you. Well, <clears throat> I climbed up the this. I climbed up the uh, <clears throat> the fire escape, and I climbed into the window. It was broken, and I I landed on the toilet. And um, I there was one door there, and I opened the door, and Frank's Frank Zappa was standing right there. And he looked at me in shock. <laughs> he said, "How did you get in there?" <laughs> I said, I climbed up the fire escape, Frank, and it, and it came in the bathroom. And it came in the window. It was broken. And so I'm your biggest fan. I love you. I'm your biggest fan, Frank, in the whole wide world. And he started laughing. <laughs> he started laughing that laugh. I can see him right now laughing. I can hear him laughing. It was the most contagious laugh for me. <laughs> it just made me laugh. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> he must think I'm out of my mind. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he said, get this girl a backstage pass <laughs> to his bodyguard smothers. <laughs> I said, but Frank, I got two more girlfriends coming up the fire escape. <laughs> There's more where I came from. Said, oh, no, two more. <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, I'm laughing some more. <laughs> he said, smothers, get two more passes. <laughs> and they hopped in the window and they came out the bathroom and he was laughing. He was laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> What's really funny? <laughs> he said, "Okay, I gotta go back on stage. I got one song left. Uh, do you have a car?" I said, "Yeah, I got a car." <laughs> he said, "Okay, well, wait right here. Don't go anywhere." <clears throat> so <laughs> I, I was there with my two girlfriends, Debbie and Vicky, and uh, 
They said, oh, my God, we're going to the party with Frank. I said, no, we're not. I got to go home. What are you, crazy? I stole this car from my mother. I hadn't seen my mother in seven years or something. <laughs> so I decide she comes to see my father and says, you got to, my father says, I have to move in with her. So I go live with my mother. <clears throat> I'm there for about two weeks. And, I, and then Frank's coming to town. So I say, oh, no. Oh, we got to rig this up. I got to figure out how to steal a car mm-hmm. and get, get to the concert. I can't miss it. And so so I, I tell my cousin Candy, look, we're going to steal my mother's car as soon as she leaves. <laughs> and she says, no, Dale. No, you don't have a driver's license, and I don't either. What are you doing? I go, well, it doesn't matter. That didn't stop you. I was just going to Cambridge. (laughs) I'm not going far. So so the car happens to be a Delta 88, canary yellow, giant Oldsmobile with a black rag top convertible. (laughs) So we put the top down. (laughs) We get in the car. It's the nighttime, and we drive to the concert. And get in, and then Frank gets done, finishes the concert, and he says, he runs off off the stage and he comes over to me and says, do you have a car? I said, yeah, I got a car. I couldn't park in the parking lot because I didn't have any money for parking, but it's down the street. (laughs) He said, okay, let's go. Where's your girlfriends? And so we get the two of us and Frank, and I go, come on, Frank, we got to go this way. (laughs) We go down the alley. And we go. And we go get, um, get to, you know, we're at the car, right? So he sees the car, he goes, is this the car? I go, yeah, just climb in, Frank. Just jump over the, just jump over the side of the car. And he goes, I think I'll open the door. So the girls jump in, we all just jump in, you know, we don't open the door. <laughs> and we get in the car, there's a joint in the um, glove box, mm-hmm. so I pull it up and I try to light it. And he goes, oh, no, 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 don't light that up. Put that back. Put that back where you got it. I go, okay, Frank. Okay, Frank. No problem. You don't want to smoke pot? He goes, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I put it back. He goes, okay, let's go to this restaurant. And we go to this restaurant. It's called Ken's Pub. I knew where it was. A park, pull up, park out front. They're waiting for us. Like all Frank's band. They get like 10 people in the band. So we pull up. We all jump out of the car. And we go inside. Frank's got this whole place reserved. All like all these people. So I sit down next to Frank. And everybody's laughing and talking. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, boy, I really got to get out of here. <laughs> if I go home with this car, I'm going to be in big trouble. My mother's going to flip out. <coughs> so <coughs> I'm in the restaurant. Frank finally says, okay, hey, let's go back to the to the hotel. We're going to have a party. And I look at my friends and I go, oh, you know, I can't go to the party. You know, I can't go. I'm only 16 and a half, okay? Uh-huh. So I'm not I'm not that old yet. <laughs> and so we go. So Frank goes, come on, let's go to the hotel. So I go, okay, come on, let's go, girls. We get in the car, we drive over to the hotel in Cambridge, pull up, and, um, and I pull into parking space to, uh, up to the front of the Holiday Inn in Cambridge. And uh, Frank says, let's go. Let's go. We're going to go get go party. And I... I looked at Frank and I said, my girlfriend jumped out of the car and uh, they're, let's go party. And they were 18. And uh, so Debbie says, you got to go, Dale. See ya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I go, oh, great. 
So they go to the party. And I say to Frank, Frank, I can't go with you to the party. I love you, Frank. And I, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was meeting you today. And he says, why can't you come to the party? I said, because I'm 16 and a half and I don't have a driver's license. And I sold this car from my mother. I just met her a couple of weeks ago. And I think I got to get it home by midnight or I'm going to be in big trouble. Um, and I'm sorry, Frank. I, I know you can't hang around with me because I'm too young. And he said, it's okay. I'll see you again. And he took me by the shoulders and he kissed me on the forehead. Yeah. And said, I'll see you again. I will. That's what he said. <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> to myself, <clears throat> it makes me cry. I said, yes, yeah, sure, sure, Frank. I love you, Frank. I love you so much, Frank. And I started crying. And I picked up the joint and I lit it up and I drove away. And I drove back to Somerville, which was about 10 minutes. And I met Morphus to my whole life in that drive. That was the day I met Frank. It was in 1972. Yeah. And until this day, I love him and think about him every day of my life. He made it so I could be a rock star. Oh, sure. And Frank, Frank, Frank believed in you, <laughs> That's right? what he did for me. You he, didn't... Made, he made me into a hero. He made me so big and so giant that I can't believe it myself. He, 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 he made me and he knew how much I would appreciate it and how much that I would put care into everything I do because I tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell the truth. It can get you in trouble and it can leave you lonely and blue. But in the long run, I have a great memory and it's clear. My conscience is clear. And I never slept with Frank. Frank only kissed me on the forehead about three times in my life. Yeah. And hugged me. And and that, that was it. He, we didn't have that kind of relationship. I looked at him as if he were my my guru. Yeah. Yeah. And he he believed in you and you you wanted to be a movie star, but uh he saw you had a voice, right? And um you didn't see yourself as a singer or anything until it was uh Joe's Garage rock opera, right? Where he had you um you know, where you kind of found your voice to, to sing with Frank, right? Yeah, I drove to California um, <clears throat> when I was uh, 21 years old. Drove to California with two Playboy bunnies and a Firebird 1969 Firebird convertible, four-speed, Recaro seats, navy blue, black rag top. Drove all across the country myself drove the two girls and I drove to, to California to go to Hugh Hefner's house. I had an appointment at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock in the morning at Hefner's house on uh, February 10th, <clears throat> 1976. So I arrived there 
And uh, I walked in, saw the secretary, and she gave me the Playboy, <clears throat> new Playboy, and I was in it as Boston's Bunny of the Year for 1976. I was 21, and Hefner was standing at the top of the stairs, and he waved his hand to me, come up the stairs, he waved to me, and, and he wouldn't talk. And I said, Mr. Hefner, could you please come down for our appointment? I, I have a previous engagement. Do you, do you think we could talk now? And he wouldn't talk. He didn't say a thing. He just kept waving his hand up the stairs. I said, listen, I'm going to leave now. Thank you very much. I don't appreciate the fact that I drove 3,000 miles here today and you wouldn't even talk to me. So I'm going to leave. <laughs> he never said anything. Didn't say a he word. Didn't, huh. didn't say a word. He just kept looking at me. He just watched me. He listened to me. He stood there, paid attention to me, and didn't answer a thing. And he just, I think he was in shock. <laughs> I think he was thinking, what is this chick doing? And I just said, okay, see you later, Hefner. Grabbed my magazine and I walked out the door. I said, I'm out of here. I jumped in my car and I, I was in fourth gear by the time I hit the gate to Sunset Boulevard. I peeled out of there like a, like a dragster and just drove and drove down Sunset Boulevard till I just didn't even know where I was going because I just drove all the way out here by myself with these two flaky girls that didn't have a clue of what I was doing. And they decided that day to go to the airport and leave. And they left me there in California alone yeah. <laughs> in my car. Not much money I, and, uh, you know. I had no money in my yeah. pocket. Yeah. And I had a little suitcase <laughs> and... A, and I had spent all my money at that point. I had a shoebox full of cash that I had saved from the Playboy Club and put in the back seat and drove all the way with the money in the back seat, paid for everything, hotels and gas. And, and when we got here, I was broke. So I went to my friend Greg Chansky's house and I slept over there. <clears throat> and then um, kind of just kind of like got acclimated a little bit to staying in L.A. So... Um, I drive down to this place called the SIR, Studio Instrumental Watts, and I'm looking for my friend Greg Chansky. This is about 10 minutes after I left Hefner's house. And I go, oh, no, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm really, I'm going to have to go back to Boston. I'm going to have to call my mother, get Western Union. Oh, boy, go back to the Playboy Club. I was really hurt. I was really disturbed. But, you know, my my good old... <laughs> my good old pride kept me going. It didn't let me fall apart. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, I'm walking down the studio instrumental lots, and I hear some music, and it's Frank Zappa's music, and I know it is. I walk over to the door, and there's a big sign on the door, and the sign says, if you value your life, do not open this door. <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't turn you away, you know? <laughs> What? That didn't turn you away, right? Like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no. I said, okay, push the door open. I pushed it open. It was a big semi door, a semi for a semi truck, and it went, it went all the way up. This big giant door, and there was Frank standing there, and I'm standing there, this little waif dressed in black leather clothes in hundred degree weather. <laughs> What are you doing here from Boston? He remembered me. And I said, Frank, you remember me <laughs> since 72? He said, how can I forget you? Come on in. Come on in here. 
come on in, come and say hello to my band. This is Terry Ted Bozio on drums. This is Eddie Jobson on keyboards and violin. And this is Patrick O'Hearn on bass. <laughs> Two of those people who I end up being in a band for 10 years. And I say hello to them. And he says, how did you get here? <laughs> I said, well, I just came from Hefner's house. He threw me out and he wouldn't talk to me. And I was supposed to move in and be the centerfold. And now I don't have a job and I have no way to go. And I have no money and I'm hungry. <laughs> and he said, okay, go get an apple over there. <laughs> Something to eat. And tonight, come back here. <clears throat> and you are going to meet Terry Bozio. And he's going to. He's going to take you to his house, feed you, put gas in your car, and you come into the studio tomorrow. <clears throat> You're going to be my Mary. I'm going to give you a job. I said, oh, but Frank, uh, what kind of a job? I, mean, I can housekeep. He said, no, you're going to be a singer on my on, on my record. You're going to be my girl, Mary. <laughs> yeah. I said, Frank, I don't know how to sing. I came to Hollywood to be a movie star. <laughs> he started laughing. <laughs> he started laughing. <laughs> I made Frank laugh. That was it. That's what it was. <clears throat> Everything I said, he thought was funny. And I was sarcastic. And I had a strange accent from Boston. And he said, with that accent, I'm going to make you a household word. When I'm done with you, everybody will know your name. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. And I, I thought he was joking. I thought he was joking. And he always told the truth. <laughs> that was the thing about Frank. Even if he didn't like it, if you had mustard on your face... He said, you have some mustard on your face. <laughs> you better clean that up. Yeah. <laughs> and he was so honest and true to me. <clears throat> he let me become myself. He let me be Dale. That's what he did. And that was the most important thing for me, is someone to let me be me once they stop telling me what to do. Oh, how to do it. I, I can't hear it anymore. I I don't listen to that. It, it goes in one ear and out the other. My father spoiled me like a, I don't know what, like a, <clears throat> like a little kid in a candy store. Yeah. You know, everything I did with him was, was always funny and happy and laughing. My father never made me cry. <laughs> That's the one thing about him. He, he made me a happy person. And he made me courageous and care about things that were not important to other people. <laughs> they were important to me. He made me very special and I wished that everyone could have someone like I did. And I know there's so many children now that don't have any anyone. They don't even have any way to live. Yeah. I I am very broken hearted about the situation outside. 
it's outside my door and it hurts me deeply to see people in the street with no food and carrying babies. It's not right. It's not right. And society needs to really clean themselves up and take a look at this picture that they've painted in the street and that they've painted for their children. There's mothers that don't help their children and make them sleep in their own cars and reject them because maybe they're on drugs or they've done something wrong. Everybody does something wrong once in their lifetime. No one is perfect. This world is very imperfect. And that's why it should be safe enough for everyone to know that it doesn't matter if you make a mistake. Your mistake will be cured because it might even be a miracle. There's no mistakes in this lifetime. There's only, there's only a guarantee that everything will be all right. It's the truth. I know it to be true. <clears throat> After I did all the work with Frank Zappa, and took me in the studio to make the album. And then I started doing all modeling jobs and this and that. And I was in magazines and Wee Magazine. And I was on the cover of Hustle Magazine. And oh my gosh, I was going forward with all these racy things. And I thought I was doing great. Yeah. My, my cousin <clears throat> came out to stay with me because I told her I was doing so great. So she came to stay with me because Terry Bozio was going to Japan with Frank Zappa. And so they were leaving the next day. So I said, okay, goodbye to them. And I was going to stay at Terry's house until they came back. Well, that day, Candy came over. And I went out and bought a Dalmatian dog to be my friend. She had an asthma attack <clears throat> as soon as she walked in. And I had to take her to the hospital. And I had to drive, drive her downtown L.A. to the hospital that she could go to. So we went down there. And I checked in a hotel across the street, Holiday Inn. And <clears throat> little did I know, I wouldn't be checking out. No, this was a scary time. I mean, like, I can't even believe, you know, I, you know, I can't believe the whole thing. You know, it's, cr you know, it's crazy. And I'm just so glad you're okay from, from that. I mean, like, it, it's so surreal. Like, yeah, what, and why don't you share kind of what, what happened? I mean, it. Yeah, I was. It was very drastic, and um, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I survived obviously, um, greatly. <laughs> I survived greatly, but um, uh, uh, I got a couple of phone calls on the phone and scary phone calls, and then uh, somebody knocked at the door, and there was two guys and one had a gun, and I said, "Oh boy, we're in trouble now. They must be at the wrong door." So I called down to the front desk. There were no cell phones or anything of that sort. So <clears throat> it was a landline. And um, the guy that answered the phone, I said, please get the police. There's someone with a gun at my door. So the next knock, about five minutes later, was a knock on the door. And I looked out the people and I saw a badge. So I opened the door. I saw a gold badge and I thought it was the police. The security guard came in my room. He was about six foot two, kind of handsome guy golden brown skin, really fine pointed nose and, and, uh, he appeared to be a, a pleasant person until he picked me up by the shoulders and threw me three feet down the little sideway and into the whole hotel room, then chased after me, grabbed me and kicked me and told me to get up and he was going to rape and kill me and his two friends were coming back and he was going to let them in to shut the fuck up and I was going to do whatever he told me to do 
And I looked at him and said, you're talking to the wrong person, honey. You're not going to tell me what to do, and you're going to get the fuck out of here right now. I went ballistic on the guy. I started calling him all names up and down and all around the world and told him to get the fuck out of my fucking room and get away from me as fast as he could. And all he did was run toward me, so I ran toward the window, and I threw open the window as fast as I could, and it went all the way up. There were no window laws at that level, at that year, 76, February. There were no window laws on the suicide windows, how they do it now. Most hotels don't even open the fucking windows. Yeah. I I screamed out the window, help, 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 with a maniac. And he lunged at me, grabbed me, put his arm around my throat, and started choking me and pulled me back in the window. And I pulled out the window and I landed on standing on the ledge, which was about six inches wide. I put my hands behind me and I was holding on to the ledge of the cement, just about to fall. And he grabbed me again and pulled my hair from inside the window. And I said, Dale, don't let go. Don't, Dale. He pulled my hair so bad, I was so mad at him that I pulled away from him and I forgot if I pulled away, I was going to lunge out of my three feet circumference of safety and I, 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 I felt myself falling. I, I pulled away and so without his grip around my head, I had no leverage and my, my feet gave way and I fell off the ledge. I was on the fourth floor. I was in room 421. I felt myself fall. Like I felt it. I felt that I was in like a pudding mix. And then I hit the sign, the Holiday Inn sign that ricochets on the and the lights, Holiday Inn, all the lights and go around it. And I I hit the sign and my my split my head open. And I passed out, obviously. Yeah. And it ricocheted off that into this onto the sidewalk flush on the sidewalk on the cement and I'm bleeding out so now I'm in a pool of blood and I write in my book because of how I see it now I see myself laying there in a pool of blood and I'm bleeding out fast and in my head there's nothing happening I'm at a standstill and I can hear yeah. and now I think to myself, oh, oh, please, as the third person looking down, oh, please come quick. Please come and get me quick because I'm going to die. And then they saved me. The hospital was right across the street. And the, the ambulance takes me right across the street in a matter of minutes. And the doctor holds my hand. I wake up two hours two two hours later. No, excuse me, eight hours later. And they're afraid because I'm not waking up. <clears throat> and the doctor holds my hand, my left hand, and he said, "Little girl, you better thank God for the rest of your life. You're a miracle to be alive." And then I go into a coma, and I. He, he sews my head up, 52 stitches, my right side of my head, wow. <clears throat> above my hairline. And I break my <clears throat> kneecap, my knees, my left knee. And I break my floating ribs, 
my, my two floating ribs so I'm wrapped up tight and I wake up and the doctor says okay you're going home and they and they send me <laughs> they send me to Frank Zappa's house <laughs> Aww. and you and you were blind for a while too right like I was in I was in a coma now I'm in a coma yeah. and I'm in Frank Zappa's house in the living room on intravenous morphine <laughs> and Gail, Frank's wife, is taking care of me. <laughs> she took care of me, and I wanted to thank her so, so much. I wanted to tell her how much she mean, mean, means to me, but she's passed away, and I wasn't able to tell her how grateful I was for what she did for me because she brought me back to life. I woke up two weeks later and I was in Frank's house and Gail said, okay, I made you some pasta. Now you gotta make some, you gotta eat some pasta. You're Italian. And what the fuck were you doing falling out a window? And I passed out again. I slipped back up into a coma and then I wake up months later in Boston, in a, in a hotel, <laughs> in a hospital, called the Santa Maria Ho Hospital in Cambridge, and they saved my life. Yeah. They saved my life there. They were all nuns and doc and, 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 and priests. And it's a, it's a holy hospital. And my father, my father was very holy. <laughs> as, as mean and bad as he was, he believed in God. <laughs> he was afraid of God. <clears throat> he was very afraid of the man upstairs. That's what he would tell me. I don't know what he would say. He didn't know what the man upstairs was going to do when he saw him. But he thought that <clears throat> because he raised me that God would find some peace for him for all the bad things that he did. Because he did a lot of things that hurt my feelings because he was not nice to my brother and my brother was my idol i idolized him yeah. he was my handsome brother and he used to take take me to the child of world <laughs> toy store and buy me presents and treat me like a princess and he bought me my first music box <laughs> and told me, you go ahead, sing and dance, <laughs> and funny things like that, that kind of just stayed with me my whole life. Yeah. Kind of crazy, the funny little things that someone you love says something, and you just work it into a mansion. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I did. I did. I did everything that they all told me to do. My father told me you would be a big movie star, I'll be a big movie star someday, that I would be on TV and he told me that everyone would know me <laughs> it's like it's like they kind of like gave me this platform <laughs> to just invent myself <laughs> and I did I did it, it, it's so fantasy like yeah but I'm still that way you know I still have great hope and faith in in the world really i don't think small i think big <laughs> and i think it for everyone and i i want i want everyone to be a 
I want them to be courageous, but I want them to get to the level of knowing that there can be peace of mind here. You, you don't have to go to the other side or think you have to commit suicide or do any crazy things or take drugs till you can't think straight. It's not, it's not impossible to be free here. I know. I fell 40 feet out of the window and had to fix myself up like Raggedy Ann and believe in my head that I could do it. I brainwashed myself when, it, when I had to. And I told myself, everything will be all right. I told myself that all day long when I couldn't see and I couldn't even know what was going on, I, I, I was in, a, in, a, in a, just a, a mass of darkness. They took me from the hospital to my mother's house, exactly back to the place that I started six months ago. Inside of six months from 21 till I turned, I woke up and I was 22, back in my mother's house where I started. And I woke up and said, how the fuck did I get back here? What happened? Yeah. And it happened like lightning. And I woke up there and said, wait a minute. I'm right back where I started. I drove all the way to California to go see Hefner to be a centerfold. He said no. Ended up making a record with Frank right then and there. I made Joe's Garage, one, two, and three, and blah, blah, blah. The record was made. Frank just held on to it longer than the time and then put it out later. But I had made it when I was 21 years old. <laughs> and then when I was 22, and then you know, all of a sudden I woke up. I started recollecting everything that happened to me and my memory came back. And of course on the home phone, I called Terry and I talked to Terry and he says, are you recovering? And I say, yeah. And you know, and he, he couldn't come and see me because he was stuck in California. And then he, they have a concert, him and Frank, like months, months, months later. And or however long it was, the time just flew by. And then, Frank called me on the phone and said, are you coming to the concert? I said, I don't know, Frank. And they said, okay, talk to Terry. So I, Terry got on the phone. Terry said, we're playing tonight at the Orpheum and you're coming? I said, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe you and Frank can come and visit me. He goes, yeah, 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 me and Frank, we'll come and see you. We'll come and visit you, okay, after the concert. I said, oh, okay, sure, okay, okay. And they hang up. My candy cousin says to me, she's there with me. She says, Dale, they're not coming. They're not coming to see you, honey. They're playing a concert. It's okay. You'll get better. Don't worry. She consoled me and tried to make it okay for me so many times. She has since passed away to my great cousin. And anyway... I looked at her and I said, I said, fuck this. Let's go. Let's get the keys. You're driving. You're taking me to the concert right now. Get an umbrella. I'll use it as a cane. Give yeah. me a hat. I'll just put a hat on. My hair was all fucked up. I said, let's go. Let's just do this. Let's go. Come on. She said, Dale, we can't steal your mother's car. We can't do this. I can't take you out of here. I'm here to babysit you and make sure you're all right. We can't do this. I go, oh, yeah, we're doing it. Let's go. I walk out the front door. She's behind me trying to help me and hold me. And we go and get in the car. And she drives me right back to the fucking Orpheum 
Like she did the last time. Where it all started. Yeah, when I beat them, like that was like a whole thing. It's all over again. I'm banging on the back door. They open the door. I say, I'm here to see Frank Zappa. Let me in. They look at me. I'm a cripple. They know I'm like, okay, there's a problem, child. Let her in. They let me in. I go to the side of the stage. Frank goes, what are you doing here? You're so beautiful. He took me by the shoulders and he kissed me on the forehead. He said, I'll be right back. This is the last song. It was like a rewind all over again. And then he came off the stage and he said, you're so beautiful. I love you, Dale. He only told me he loved me three times. That was wonderful. And the last time was on his deathbed when I said goodbye to him in his living room. And I went to visit him. It was two weeks before he died. And I went to visit him to tell him how much I loved him. And I didn't know what I was going to do with the rest of my life without him telling me what to do. (laughs) And he said, he said, sing until you can't sing anymore. And then go be a news reporter. Tell everyone what you know. (laughs) I started laughing and crying. (laughs) I said, Frank, you're so silly. He said, no, no, no. Listen to me. Go get Terry and with on and play a concert for me. And play mental hopscotch. Play that song for me, okay? And he knew he was telling me to go get them for me. It was for me. He told me everything for me. He was never selfish with me. <laughs> he never said a crossword to me. <laughs> he never said no to me, like my father. They never said no. <laughs> and I can't believe to this day that I'm this age. Now knowing what I know about the greatest man that ever lived, Frank Zappa, the greatest friend of mine who made me who I am today. He whipped me into shape and he told me everything would be all right. And, and, I, and after that concert that night, he said, okay, go home, go to sleep. Tomorrow we're picking you up and we're all going to Europe and you're coming with us. I'm not leaving you home anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I was just a little girl from Medford. I wasn't anybody. I wasn't anyone that slept with Frank. I wasn't anybody. I was just a little girl from Medford that made him laugh (laughs) and he became my greatest friend in the whole world that's so ironic that that would happen but it it did but it did And, and and I told him that day Right in front of his wife, Gail, sat there with me for the whole 45 minutes while I talked to him. And the last time I talked to him, my whole life, and I told him how much I loved him. And he said right back to me, I love you, Dale. And he started crying, crying so bad that I'll never forget it. And I live with it every day. Yeah. And it was so long ago. And it has just given me 
a trail to blaze for Frank <laughs> and all his all his players and all his his, his people. Terry Bozio did so much for me in my life. Oh, and taught, sure. taught me so much about music. And he gave me his love and care. And Warren Kululo, who taught me so much, who I love so much. I love them with all my heart. And they won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> it's kind of strange. <laughs> Life is so strange. That's why I named the book that, because... Yeah. Because it is. <laughs> yeah. That was the interview with Del Bozio here on Concert Pipeline. And Jens, that takes us to the final segment on the program. What is it? Well, Steve, it is time to talk about what's going on in the world of music. A small segment here where we talk about some music news. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, so we each have a couple stories about what's going on in the music world. There's a festival, Jens. First off, before we get into my story, let's just uh, p- uh, tip one out. Is to... it like Fire Festival Part 2? Oh, I mean, it's for emo kids, it's pretty fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but first off, I want to say, you know, hats off to, I don't know if it's hats off or just like, you know, pour one out to uh, Meatloaf and his family yeah. and everything. We lost Meatloaf. Yeah, uh, he was a great artist. Yeah, you you mentioned uh, to me before podcasting. Uh, reminded me about it um, a couple of days ago, and um, he was in Rocky Horror Picture Show, but he was also yeah. in Tenacious D's The Pick of Destiny. As and I did not know that until you told me. A young Jack Black's dad. Yeah. So if you want to see that, look up the music video for the song Kickapoo. Kickapoo. Yes. P O O. Yes. A long ass fucking time ago in a town called Kickapoo, there lived a humble family, religious through and through. I did not know you could sing. I can't. <laughs> and I also want to just thank Meatloaf's parents for naming him Meatloaf. I mean, that's yes. a pretty awesome name. I know. That's, I'm going to name my next kid Chicken Wings. So. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken Wings, that's pretty good, too. Oh, man, oh, man. But oh. Meatloaf, I mean, that's that's more bossy. It is. It is. It's, you know, that's why you want a boss kid, you got to put the word meat in there somewhere. Uh, uh, so um, when we were young festival, this festival came out, and I, you know, I just... Uh, I was told about it, and I was like, "No, I hadn't. I haven't heard about it." But then I'm like, "Oh my gosh! This is like this is my youth. This festival is my youth." And um, and so they uh, originally announced the festival this past week in Las Vegas. It's an emo fest. It's like a warp tour on steroids, uh, really. Um, and it's headlined by it's like a rave. I don't know how they fit all of these bands in the it's all in one day and I don't know how they fit them all in one day or how you see the ba- all of the bands you want to see because emo uh, emo fans are like we want to be at like all the stages it's insanity my chemical romance and paramore are headlining whatever that means but um I mean, My Chemical Romance is a get because they broke up for mm-hmm. a, a while and then got back together and have done a, a couple of shows, a handful of sh- small handful of shows over the past couple of years, but that's about it. Um, AFI, The Used, 
Taking Back Sunday, Dashboard Confessional, Alkaline Trio, Manchester Orchestra, Avril Lavigne, Bright Eyes, Jimmy Eat World, um, uh, Hawthorne Heights. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. All American Rejects, Boys Like Girls. Um, uh, you know, so many of these bands I interviewed back in the day, too. Yeah, there um, must be a lot of, of memories coming back to you, just oh. reading off that list. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it's it's one of those like, oh, gosh, that would be so awesome to go to. Um, and but So they fit all of that in one day? Yes. I mean, that list looks almost as long as what you would think... There's I Bottle mean, Rock does in three days. Yeah, there's I mean there's fifty-ish bands or something, um, and then so so it I mean it sold out instantaneously of course, and they added a second date right, and you you could do like a wait list situation um, if tickets became available. Well, so um, my buddy John he's he's plan was planning on going to it before he even could buy tickets he got an airbnb with like nine friends um to go and so i'm like okay have fun <laughs> you know uh I-, I thought it would be cool to go but i'm not you know part of that group and I'm right. not, you know and uh and nor was i invited and uh, uh-huh. you know and i don't really want to go by myself you know i'm like it's a whole to do and it's expensive and um and uh, anyway, I'm I'm okay sitting out, but I'm like just like oh my gosh, this whole thing is my youth. It would be so cool. What an epic day! But I'm I don't know how to break down all the bands that I'd want to see. And so they added a second date, the exact same lineup, um, and uh, and then you know um, of course that one sold out instantaneously. And then they have this waitlist situation, and they just add, added a th- a third date for the next weekend, the exact same lineup mm-hmm. uh, for the th- the third date. Um, I'm, you know, at this trend, you know, of three dates, there, you know, there may be a fourth date coming. Who knows? You know, uh, with the exact same lineup, it's the weirdest thing because Coachella will do something like that for two weekends, but they'll, you know, uh, split it up in, mm-hmm. in a different in a different way. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting that all the bands are available for both weekends, exactly the same, um, exactly the same thing. But it's. Uh, yeah, good luck if you can get tickets. Right, so. good luck if you can get tickets, and then yeah. good luck, I guess, if you can so, actually see all the bands and, that you want to see. And, and so my buddy John didn't get tickets to the the day to he, that they had gotten the Airbnb for and everything. He was on the wait list, but they uh, they emailed him saying, okay, you, well, you know, the third date app opened up and we automatically transferred your thing to the third date if you don't want that you have to cancel within 24 hours mm. sort of thing and he's like uh, okay well i was planning on going to you know the first date and i wanted to wait for that one if something opened up you know and uh right so i think he's a little less than pleased but <laughs> wow uh, but it's a uh, quite an amazing festival then where is this again this is vegas in vegas yes do they say where in vegas i don't know no, I already closed it out. I'm done. Hmm. On to the next. I hope it's inside somewhere. So it's not like <laughs> 100,000 degrees. Know. I'm not going. Uh, okay. But it would be awesome. So It would be. You got a story for us, Yes. It would be. Um, yes, I got a story. Okay, so there are artists out there that are fortunate enough to own their own music. Yes. Bob Dylan is one of those. Ooh, okay. Uh, this guy, apparently sold his master recordings to Sony. Okay. And this has been happening a lot recently, by the way. Yeah. They are just selling their whole catalog and mm-hmm. making, making fucking bank. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, 
He used to be with Columbia, right? I think he's always had the same label. And then, what, did Sony buy Columbia? I don't remember. Mm. Anyway, um, so Bob Dylan has oh. sold the master recordings to his entire back catalog to Sony Music. Um, so this is, you know, the latest uh, blockbuster music acquisition. So the deal, completed last July, includes everything from classic 1960s albums like Blonde on Blonde up to his latest release, which was uh, back in 2020, Rough and Rowdy Waves. So Billboard magazine says the catalog is worth about, holy shit, 200 million. It's, it's insane, the money. 200 like, million, so, my God, based on annual reviews of roughly 16 million. So you weren't on the podcast last week, but I did a story in the music news uh, where, about Springsteen's catalog oh, being yeah, sold. Yeah. And uh-huh. like he made the most money of any musician last year, and it was because he sold his catalog, and almost all of it was his catalog sale, except like 50 million, you know, uh, like a $300 million, $350 million year for him or something. Wow. Yeah. Okay, let me read this again. So Bob Dylan has sold the master recordings to his entire back catalog to Sony Music. Okay, so that means everything that he's published. Okay, so then the article continues. Um, uh, Dylan previously sold his publishing to Universal Music for a reported $400 million. It's interesting, right? So is it worth half as much now? Or does he just get to sell the same stuff to just multiple keeps, labels? Keep selling it. Uh, here, you could have it. Uh, give me money. Give me money. Give me money. Right. It's like having a about. car, but you have like a hundred of them, and you get to sell them to only pay once, but then you keep on selling it. Right. Okay. Um. So then, uh, that deal covered the rights to Dylan's lyrics and compositions, which Sony had previously ad- administered outside the U.S. Wow, that's insane. You know, I mean, yeah. what do you do? You you get he's eighty years old. What do you do with 200 million at the age of 80? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, you have an opportunity to sell a bunch of your music and then do something, you know, fun with your money or donate it or do whatever you want to do. Yeah. But you're 80. Yeah, your time, time is limited, right? Uh, time is limited. And you've, you're a rocker, so you've, you know, he's, he hasn't lived the roughest life, I don't think, comparatively to some, uh, you know, yeah. but, uh, but he's been around and... Right. It's yeah. like, yeah, here we go. Bruce Springsteen, like you said, sold his music rights for $500 million. It's crazy. So, I mean, I don't expect to live to 80. If I live to 80 or longer, wow, okay? Anything that's on just top of that's bonus, free right? life right there, right? Yeah. Um, I think I'd want to sell my, my, you know, my music. I don't have any music, but if I did, <laughs> um, earlier than that. Well, I'm You gonna... know, maybe at, at least 79. <laughs> I'm going to sing that little ditty. I'm going to sell that little ditty that I sang of Kickapoo. I'm going to sell that as an NFT. Yeah. And, uh... Oh, do that. You will make bank. Oh, my God. Just give that some time. and Yeah. Incredible. Anyway, wow. Well, I, I hear he's also going on tour again. So... He is. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? So he's been... Um, so his tour was announced last year, and he did the East Coast of the U.S., and then I think there was another tour of Europe or something. I was really hoping that he would go to do the you know West Coast right after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, play the Berkeley. Yeah, the come come here and do the show that was canceled. Um, that I didn't get to see. But anyway, so he has now announced some additional dates for 2022, and this is the never-ending tour. He will continue 
touring after his death. Oh, wow. It's, it's this never is never ending. ending. It's not ending. Yeah. They're going to do a posthumous. I like it. That's uh. what that, yeah, that's what that implies. He's going to be a hologram. So, um, I'm looking at all these days. I don't see anything West Coast related, but the good news is it's less East Coast related. So, we're talking more like states in between the two it's getting closer shores yeah so we're moving west basically so lots of places in arizona texas louisiana uh alabama tennessee georgia sounds like it's moving east actually <laughs> it is moving east <laughs> shit okay um it starts kind of west but then goes farther east so it sounds like the, the odds of Jesus. dates being added on to the end uh, yeah. in, on the west coast are probably I think, unlikely i think the west coast is just too damn expensive right it's not worth renting a venue, even owning a house or anything. Apparently. <laughs> um, damn. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. What 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 is the western p- p- most uh, state here, uh, where we could just quickly do a road trip? Arizona is. Georgia. Georgia. Texas. No, what? Texas. Georgia? Austin. Austin, Texas. I know, I know most of your trips are outside the U.S., but Georgia is not the westernmost state <laughs> that you're gonna find. No, no. I mean western. The westernmost state on the current tour list. Georgia is still not the westernmost state on any it's list. It's Texas. Yeah, because Georgia is like east. What are you doing right now? Arizona is the most west. Where is Arizona on this list? Oh, Arizona. You said Arizona. I did? Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, you're right. Arizona. He's having a meltdown on the podcast. That's even more uh, western than New Mexico. Let me get you a map, okay? I thought you... How did you even know this? I thought you were the one that was... Uh, map challenged i mean i am directionally challenged yes but i do know <laughs> that arizona is westernmost over georgia are you sure have you or, been there or texas <laughs> i have been to arizona barely all right Grand well Canyon. Like it, uh, you know there i go for like forgetting what i said two seconds ago <laughs> that was enjoyable thank you okay anyway anyway so yeah point is we are getting closer to uh the west coast here so maybe sometime later this year we'll have California uh, on there. Don't hold your breath, though. So if I'm you want to see him, go to Arizona. not holding my breath. Yes. All I'm right. Um, Jens, I have one more story for us. You know who it involves. It involves Mr. Dave Grohl. It does. Yes. What's uh, up with him? So um, Dave Grohl has penned a new Fraggle Rock theme song because... What is Fraggle Rock? Fraggle Rock. Oh, you don't... You didn't have a childhood, right? So, no, I didn't. Uh, no. <laughs> Seriously. Fra- Fraggle Rock was from my childhood, actually. And it's, it's had a resurgence. Um, it's back after 35 years. And, of course, Dave Grohl is involved. Uh, See, 35 years? That was like... That's when I was having a midlife crisis. <laughs> we, we are a little bit different in age, you know, so uh, you're a little closer to that. I'm exaggerating. Than, uh, but, yeah. than, than I am. But, uh, uh, but yeah, so this is a show that's back. It's on, uh, it premiered, um, it's called Back to the Rock, and it's premiered on Apple TV. Foo Fighters released Fraggle Rock Rock, a song inspired by the Jim Henson Show's original theme song. Uh, it's with its electric guitar intro, head bob inducing melody, and mid song harmonies reminiscent of the show's original theme song. Foo Fighters kind of popped off. We're going to rock our way to freedom, going to uh, run right back and see him, going to flip flop, skippity hop, back to Fraggle Rock Girl sings in the Earworms chorus. Uh, so Look, can you sing this? This is this, this, no. this, this a Sesame Street song. That's all you're getting. I'm, I'm <laughs> dropping that as an NFT also. So let's, I gotta, I gotta look that up. Let's listen to just a little clip of this if we can. Oh, oh 
paused it. Don't. I know this song. Yeah, so barely. Um, I think there's video of him with the Fraggle Rock characters also. That's probably in the show at some point. Um, I have not watched it yet, but maybe I'll get the kids on it and uh, they'll be interested in it. But they don't have the, they don't have the nostalgia piece of it, like of it being a part of their youth. But they do enjoy a lot of nostalgia, you know, stuff from my childhood. So nice. So this must bring back certain memories of things. Some. Like yeah. where you were when you first I saw it. I wasn't like a, and... a big, big Fraggle Rock fan, but I definitely watched it and enjoyed it and it was a part of my youth to a degree, right? Uh-huh. So, um, Did people have Fraggle Rock parties? <laughs> like, was it a theme? I don't know. Like, you'd dress up as a Muppet and go. I don't know if that's a thing, so. Uh, oh. I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> help you, but maybe there, maybe there will be now and maybe people will start being Fraggle Rock characters for Halloween or something. Nice. So. Have you heard anything about... Uh, the Foo Fighters doing the Bee Gees. Any new updates on that? <laughs> no, I think it's been done. That's been done. Over. Yeah, they, you know, they don't sit on one thing and just like rest. No, they they move on. On, on you gotta, thing. yeah. You know, they might do a song in their set or something, right? They, yeah. But uh, that's all they do. So. Um, that's why we love them. Always got new content. Yes. For yes. us to present. Um, and speaking of new content, the other half of this program, uh, the other half of the interview with uh, Dale Bazio is going to be up next week. So uh, definitely stay tuned to the other half. Um, Are we going to have her in the waiting room this whole time? She, we're going to ask her to hang out. She, for a whole week. See if she's she's going to be sitting there. For a week. Dale, you free? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, right. So she's good. She said she'll be back next week to finish the second half of Oh, good. So she's not actually going to be sitting in the waiting room for a whole week. That's the intent. We'll feed her. Oh my God, yeah. she's gonna be so bored. I feel bad. No, she'll be she'll be great. She she enjoys talking. We'll so. give her goldfish. Okay, sounds like a deal for all of us here at Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Shepard. and that is Steve Jones. We'll catch you next time.